market. The S&P, the ISX stops. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that loves a big fat pay rise, but not always if it's for an already overpaid CEO. Today, <laughs> mate, we're going to dive into that. We I should are. introduce you first. Please do. What's your name again? My name's Scott Phillips and your name is Andrew Page. <laughs> Good night from me, and That's it's good, good night, night from, from him. him. <laughs> Mate, uh, we are going to talk CEO pay today. We it's always... You know that, don't you? Why is that? Well, that might be as good as the podcast gets. Jeez, that's a sad high watermark, my friend. <laughs> anyway, keep going. Um, so we'll talk about CEO, CEO pay. The, the, everyone loves to get furious about that. And, <laughs> and frankly, I do too a little bit. So let's talk about Pretty that. Uh, ethical investing. This yes. is a thematic, uh, an investing thematic that's gaining more and more uh, popularity. That is very, very polarizing just quietly. It is, isn't it? Uh, does it work? And is it worth it? We're also going to open up the mailbag as well. IDK, ETFs, WTF. We'll explain that and a whole bunch more. PRQ. We love we love a good acronym in this don't industry, we? don't we? The old TLA. The old that's exactly the three-letter right. acronym. Yes. Oh. Uh, and finally, I'm going to get on my high horse and oh, have a bit of God. a rant because I can, and it's a platform, and I'm going to take advantage of it, and you're going to enjoy if it. Someone's stupid enough to put you in front of a microphone. Not. They're going to expect what they get. Let's sorry, sorry. Can't complain. Uh, about apologize that. in advance, <laughs> mate. Um, CEO pay. Yes. So you, you hear about it all the time. You know, overpaid. Well, the paychecks are pretty generous. You know, in the US, the average CEO pay is now over 300 times the average worker's salary. Whoa! 300 times. In Japan, it's only about 50 times. Yeah. And in Australia, depending on the numbers, there's not a lot of really good research, but somewhere between 50 and 100 times is kind of the generally accepted multiple of CEO pay compared to the average punter. Yeah. And that's a big deal. And it's mm. getting more and more headlines in the newspaper. It's becoming a bigger and bigger problem in, in air quotes. Mm-hmm. Because it gets the headlines. But you know what? I don't reckon that's the problem. What's now, the problem? I, I, let me say very clearly, I don't think Pitch should be paid that amount of money, but it actually doesn't matter for shareholder returns. I did Ian Narev's numbers. He got paid $12.3 million last year, mm-hmm. $5.5 million this year. Divide that into CBA's $130 billion market cap mm-hmm. and it's a fraction of a fraction of 1%. It's yep. completely irrelevant. It won't change how much money you make or the dividends you receive the Commonwealth mm-hmm. Bank. Mm-hmm. If his pay was doubled or halved, it would make absolutely zero impact on the Commonwealth Bank's results or the amount of money you get from that company. And the same is true for most of the companies on the ASX. So the amount of money they get paid, while it's a big deal on the paper and it is frankly stupid and obscene, it just doesn't matter enough. But here's where it becomes a problem. But isn't that how you can? Isn't that how the uh, system can be further pushed to to unreasonable extremes? Because you know, see, I was well, if I double my pay, it's really not going to make any bigger difference. And but it's not. That's the thing. But so here's the thing, right? If we're talking about as investors, mm. it actually shouldn't matter to us. As, as citizens, we can say that's in, in, unequal and it's a problem. And from a societal perspective, it should be fixed. Sure. And I actually have a lot of sympathy with that. Yeah. But from an investor's perspective, whether Ian Rev got paid a hundred thousand. 10 million or frankly $50 million mm. doesn't impact on the company's results one iota on a per share basis for the individual investor. It just doesn't matter. It's a rounding error. When you make $10 billion a year, yep. whether the CEO gets a pay rise or a pay cut by $10 million just doesn't matter at all. I hear that, but there is a principle. And I would say this is that I, I think that the, the people steering the ship deserve rich rewards mm-hmm. when they create real and lasting wealth for the shareholders of a company. Where I get my nose a bit out of joint is where company CEOs and senior management do make terrible decisions, destroy shareholder value, and still walk away with a big fat paycheck. I I would like it far. I I think 
I don't have problems with the quantum per se as a principle. Right. I do have a problem with the way that management are often incentivized and, and, and the way in which boards try to align their interests. I don't think it always aligns with shareholders' interests. So you're a multi full dividend investor, right? Mm-hmm. If the service is a negative year, should you be paid? You've destroyed, uh, you've destroyed value for all of our members. Maybe, yes. we shouldn't, maybe we shouldn't pay you. Yeah. I, I think, frankly, I think there would be value in aligning it so that there was punitive measures when, when you weren't performing to standard. Deal. But, I'll write that down. Hang on. Andrew but, says he wants to be paid less when the... <laughs> There's a but. Yes. But you also share more in the upside too. And, and how I, much should you be paid? If you're paid 10 grand or 100 grand or a million, what's, what's the difference? No, no, no well, that's... Oh, look... We don't want to get into the quantum, although clearly I'm worth $100 million a year. <laughs> but um, this is the point. But right? it's, it's so more Andrew, about Andrew aligning paid $12 million. Is that too much or not enough? The answer's got to come down to how much is a reasonable amount of money to pay a CEO. Uh, uh, yes, but it's also in terms of what conditions need to be met for that money to come through. Now, if I get that regardless, that's one thing. If I get that um, only because I've done good things for all the stakeholders, then that's a different thing. I Surely, think, I think no. I, I, the, if the if, if why should why should some if every guy who's on fifty thousand dollars, mm. we wouldn't be having this conversation. This is this is to my mind. This is not a rant, but I'll, let me go for a little bit. This is not this. This turns into this is my problem. It turns into a politics of envy conversation. That's too much because the, the quantum has to matter. That's exactly where it starts, right? It's us with how much. If it was like if Narev was paid one hundred fifty grand, no one's talking about it. If the if the company does well or badly, no one says that's too much. That's too little. Because you pay $12 million, we start with that's too much, that's too little conversation, purely on the amount of money. It, it, is, it must be the amount by definition. It's the only reason we talk about it. If Nerev got paid 200 grand a year, it wouldn't be in the papers at all, no matter how well or badly the company did, yep. relative to his pay. But for some reason, we think that there's a quantum amount of money that matters, and therefore it's a big deal. Now, let me keep going, because I think this, this, is, this is my very point. Mm. I think the shareholders get massively distracted. It doesn't matter. It's completely relevant to your returns. Well, then Rev gets 200 grand a year, $10 million a year, or $50 million a year. It doesn't matter at all. Mm-hmm. So the quantum is completely beside the point. It matters to my returns in the sense that if he's not properly aligned with my interests, then he's probably not. I mean, that's just human nature. Yes, the incentives exactly. are the most powerful thing in the and world. That's the so point. If, if he is not. If he is, if he is going to get fifty million dollars regardless, I don't think he's going to work as hard. I don't think he's going to try as hard. And and more to the point, that the, the 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 ambitions that he has need to be the ambitions that will actually reward me and all, all my fellow shareholders. Right, and that's the point. But that's that's true whether it's on no matter what number we pick. That's why the, the quantum doesn't matter. When someone says Rev got paid X million dollars, and we go, oh, that's terrible. Mm. It's completely irrelevant. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm with you there. I'm, right, and right. I think we're I think we're talking about the same thing. Yeah, yeah, we are. But but that's the point I want to make is that for all the head, it's easy to get a headline when you say twelve million dollars. That's a ridiculous amount of money. No, it's not. Da da da. I agree with it's unequal. Mm. I agree it's stupid. Mm. I agree it's ridiculous. Yeah. But from a shareholder's perspective, the amount of money he gets paid matters. As doesn't matter, Zach. Doesn't matter at all. Right. Mm. What matters is what he's incentivized to do, and how he goes about achieving that end. Yes. And that's what people continually get wrong when they talk about the salary. If the Commonwealth Bank shares price has done what it's done. Yep. If Nerev got paid $100,000 rather than $12 million, we wouldn't be having the Rev conversation. Yep. But the Commonwealth Bank's results would be no different. Yep. Share prices fallen over the last six months. Well, let me, let me put this one to you. So the, the board is the one who's ultimately in charge. Yes. Uh, the board is the one who's responsible to shareholders. Yes. 
<clears throat> they want to get the best bang for their buck that they possibly can with mm -hmm. company money. Now, yep. whether that's for well, they should want to anyway. Whether that's remuneration pay or whether it's mm -hmm. just fixed costs associated with keeping the factory floor open. They they should be running that business with a view to cost. And you and I have we've totally. talked about it before. The best companies in the world, you know, Flight Centers, I think the one we most recently talked about, just relentless focus on costs. Yep. Runs like an incredibly well oiled machine. It does. And and that and that is, is great for shareholders. Um, mm -hmm. so so Without unfairly sing, um, uh, singling out remuneration, yep. I would say you need to probably pay when you when you're talking about like a big bank. Frankly, a lot of these people are probably worth twelve million dollars because yep. it is a, an incredible burden, a huge responsibility, um, a lot of moving parts, requires a certain amount of intelligence and capability, and all the rest. And there's just frankly not everyone in the world can do that. Yes. And so there's a limited market. Hey, this is capitalism. We will pay what we need to pay to get the right talent. Correct. And and frankly, I would rather have a CEO in charge of the Commonwealth. Like if, if there was someone who was 10 times better than, than the current CEO and we had to pay him 20 times as much, 10 times as much, I think it'd be a good thing, right? Yep, uh, right. So that that's all fine. But my point is, is that let's pay what we need to, but let's not pay a cent more. Not because it might not necessarily make a huge amount of difference in and of itself, but because it's part of a broader philosophy towards running a company and having cost discipline and ensuring things are being done in the best manner possible for shareholders. Oh, which I agree completely with, right? But the problem is that when we say aghast, $12 million, that's too much. I agree with you there. But it, no one yeah. is making any other decision other than versus my pay, that feels That like seems ridiculous. Yes. And therefore it's too much. Yeah, I agree with you. Now here's... What I would do, Andrew, <clears throat> okay. if it was up to me, if I was mm -hmm. in charge tomorrow, God help us, yep. I would <laughs> indeed, indeed, I would pay the bonus. I, I pay a very large amount of money, yep. but I only pay it over the next five years. Yeah, I love as long that. as the company continued to deliver its goals yes. over that five-year period, whether or not the CEO was there. Yes. So here's the deal: Ian. you've got to make long-term decisions when you're in that. Andrew, that if here's your ten million dollar bonus, hey. but you're getting two million dollars a year for the next five years, hey. and only when the company delivers on its goals, oh. and you're going to say. That's not fair. I'm not even there. Yeah. Like, yes, exactly. Well, you better make some really sensible long-term decisions. You got mate. it. Yeah, buy good businesses, sell it. good businesses, hire great people, develop yes. great cultures. Yep. If I know that my money today mm. is is relying on what you do in five years' time, yeah. you'd be damn sure I'm going to work with you a lot more closely to make sure that you're in the right place and you can do the best job possible over that period of time. I think that's. Fun. I don't care how much, you can double your salary as far as I can. I'm concerned. Yeah. Paying twenty five million dollars over the next five years in yeah. bonuses. Yeah. But only if the company delivers over that five year period. And the company is set up to achieve and deliver on that basis. That's what focuses the mind on long-term value creation, which, as you said at the very beginning, is what we all should be focused on. Yeah, yeah. Motley Fool Money. For more, go to fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Ethical investing. Yes. I'm hearing it more and more and more. Um, I think we may have briefly covered it in an earlier podcast, but we thought we'd circle back on it. Yes, indeed. Before we get into it, uh, hit me with a definition. What does it mean to invest ethically? No idea. <laughs> it's one of those slippery, <laughs> slippery definitions, so he, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. So, well, so we can, what we can do is we can talk about ethical investing and what it means. We can't then give you a definitive list because by definition, ethics is not universal. Mm. Ethics is subjective and ethics is personal. Right. I may, I may care a lot about gender equality, mm -hmm. but I may not give an, a crap about carbon neutrality. Mm -hmm. You may feel exactly the reverse. You mm -hmm. might say, look, I'm all about the environment. Mm -hmm. I don't care about gender balance. Mm -hmm. Or I care a lot about weapons, but I don't care about smoking or vice versa. Yeah. Everyone has their own version of what ethical investing is. Mm -hmm. And so the, 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 the focus is around... People wanting their money to be invested into things they believe in and agree with. Mm -hmm. And that's probably the, the, although it's a fuzzy definition, it's probably the clearest and most simple definition of ethical investing is investing alongside your ethical framework, your ethical perspective on the world. Yep. If you're someone who doesn't like poker machines, not investing in companies that provide them or sell them. Mm -hmm. 
or have them in their premises. It's similar to that uh, conscious capitalism idea, isn't it? No. So where you're putting, no, isn't it? Where no. you're putting money towards the things that you want to see uh, improve? No, no, no. Without, without, I, I, I'm going to say no. I'm going to tell you why very quickly, and we'll oh, get back to ethical investing. Can we start the podcast? Again? <laughs> rewind quickly. Rewind. Liam, Liam, rewind. Um, so here's because that's completely different from conscious <laughs> capitalism, isn't it, Scott? <laughs> yes, Andrew, it is very different. Thanks for pointing that out. Conscious capitalism very quickly is about a company approach internally at a company, right? And it's about them making sure that they are operating business in a way that is favourable for all of their stakeholders. Uh, so that's employees, <laughs> that's the community, that's okay. their suppliers, right, okay. their customers, and their shareholders. So it's a it's a way of running a business which says. I'm absolutely going to be absolutely capitalistic. That's my mm-hmm, intention. Mm-hmm. I want to make a profit. I want to make a lot of money. But I'm going to do so in a way that actually benefits all of my stakeholders. And by doing so, I think I'll be a much better business in, in the future because I'm having a community who wants me to be around, shareholders who want to invest in me, suppliers who want to supply me, employees who want to work for me. If, if you have that, that relationship with your stakeholders, you're much more likely to be a better business. Ben and Jerry's springs to mind here. Yeah, right. Exactly. Nice, nice segue from um, CEO the pay, right? Because they, yes. they have a, a rule, which is that the CEO can only be paid 50 times the minimum uh, paid worker or something. Correct, like that. correct. Now, let's go back to ethical investing okay. before we get off, yep. off, yep. off, off side track. But you're exactly right. Ethical investing is purely about, as an investor, what sort of things do you believe in and how do you invest in a, line, in a way that's aligned to those investments, to those okay. beliefs, I should say. So it's not necessarily an investing style or thematic where I, I would prosecute that because I feel as though there's enhanced returns. It's just more to align my investing activities with my personal, personal ethical framework. I'm glad you mentioned that, mate, because I think there is a very significant self-delusion in the ethical investing community. Mm. In the past, it, ha- it, does, it has so happened that companies that are in those ethical investing frameworks have done better than the average market. Yeah. And so people then start to prosecute the case that ethical investing is therefore superior, mm. always and ever, to non-ethical investing, if we can call it mm-hmm. that. Now, that may well be the case by accident um, as a group. But fundamentally, if you're, if you're investing ethically, unless your choice specifically is to not make more money, so mm. you, can, you can choose to say, look, I want to go and invest in things that are going to not beat the market, mm. but ones I'm happy with, that's okay too. Yeah. Those people say ethical investing beats the market because dot, dot, dot. That is a complete fallacy. It just mm. so happens that the companies that they've invested in yeah. that are ethical have also been market beaters. Mm. You could have invested in those companies without an ethical framework. You could invest in other companies that were ethical or didn't beat the market. So conflating the two is a problem. I don't mind, mind people investing in ethical companies. And if they invest in them, choose them well, they can still beat the market. But it doesn't always follow that just because it's ethical, it's going to beat the market. Nor does it follow that when it's not ethical, it's going to lose to the market. It's always a question of the companies you buy and whether those companies have the attributes that are going to go on to be market beaters. Do you apply an ethical filter for the investments that you personally make? Do you know what? I don't as a matter of course. Um, but I have to say, I don't know whether I'd want to buy, for example, shares in British American Tobacco mm-hmm. or Philip Morris. Mm. So they're on the US exchange. I've never considered investing them, so I haven't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Ultra is another name for the US-based Philip Morris. That's Philip Morris International. But not on a long-term return. Yeah, right. And so I don't I don't have any companies that I in my portfolio that I would that I would believe would fail anyone else's ethical filters instead of being super, super, super rigid about right. it. Um, but nor would I necessarily... I, th- I think I'd probably struggle with cigarette companies. Uh, I don't like the idea oh. of trying to tell my wife that I'm going to buy a cigarette company. Is that okay, please, darling? She'd probably look at me and say, I don't think so. <laughs> um, I don't have any weapons makers. Uh, so look, I, no... But that's that interesting said, though. Isn't that interesting? I mean, you sort of say, I don't, I don't believe in weapons, so I don't want to invest in it. Right. Uh, until there's a really good reason to have weapons for defense and other kinds. You know, it, it would almost be unethical 
not to, to have a to have a to a society that that can't defend itself. Right, and surely, that's, and, and that's where that's where exactly that's where the question gets. And look, that gets very slippery, right, it does, doesn't it? it? What, one quickly. one one person's view of ethical is different to another. That's exactly so. right. Now, the other thing I want to say, by the way, and this is this is my, and I'll, I'll present both sides of this story, but this is also where I think if you're going to invest ethically, you need to think about what you're actually doing. Mm. If I buy shares in a cigarette company today, I buy them from you. I was going right? to say, right, yes. Yep. I'm not adding any money to the company's cost. Altria gets nothing I'm not, when you buy I'm not, shares off me. There's no vote of confidence. There's no nothing that goes to me buying shares from you. Right? Ownership transfers from one person to the next. Companies don't know on a day-to-day basis. And the products certainly don't know who owns them and what. Yep. therefore there's no difference. So whether so or the, not you buy Altria or not, it's going to go on doing its thing. Right. You can profit from the cigarette company or I can profit from the cigarette company. Someone's going to profit or otherwise. Well, and depending the same profit's going to be made is. regardless. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So there, there is no, so there what's is the no point? benefit. So there's a couple of things. The, the, those who, the proponents of ethical investing will say two things. One is that the more widespread a company's shares are in terms of ownership, mm-hmm. the less likely governments are able to regulate against them. Yes. So, for example, Telstra has more retail shareholders than anyone in the country. Mm-hmm. The chances of the government able to pass a law that disadvantages Telstra are severely hamstrung by the fact that we all Political own Political reality of, yep. Now, that, compare, compare that to um, I don't know, some, some small biotech over in the corner yep. that's owned by 45 people. Yep. The government passes a law and those 45 people can jump up and down as much as they want yeah. and nothing's going to change. Right. So the fewer people own a, a stock, the more likely it is the government can regulate, should they choose. Yep. So think about, for example, our coal companies. Great yes. example, yep. right? Yep. If, the government, if the government at some point says no more coal mines, um, the, the current government probably won't, but if someone does at some point, <laughs> if we all own coal shares, we're like, oh, hang on, that's going to hurt my coal shares. Yes. I'm not so sure I want that anymore. Right. Versus someone who doesn't own any coal shares who says, well, I can take a more honest view of of the possible polluting impacts of a coal company and make mm-hmm. that decision. Now, mm. those who own coal shares will still say, and with some degree of reality, I can have t- I can have two beliefs. Mm. I can invest in that and still not like it. That's yeah. absolutely true. Mm. But it's just very, very unlikely. If you own Crown Casino shares, mm. it's harder for you to mentally keep in that ownership, plus in a view that there's too many poker You have a vested interest in, in more people gambling. Exactly. Even, yeah. even if you don't consciously think it, yeah. you can't help but let it seep into your mind. What about that's, this? That's, oh, sorry, mate. I was going to say with the, the, the other angle um, that, that is taken is that the more supported a company is with its shares, the more popular it is, right. the higher the premium it trades on, exactly. and therefore the, the, the better value uh, it can raise money with. So if, if I'm trading on a multiple of 20 times my earnings, yep. my cost of capital, to use the parlance, is much cheaper than uh, Altria that might be trading at seven times earnings. You know, I, I, I get, I, I just get a much, I'm able to raise money at much lower costs. That's what right. I'm trying to say. That's right. So if you, if you want to go to raise more money in a secondary offering, mm. a, a share raise, capital raising, yep. then you're right. The higher the share price is, the more able you are to do that. The more in demand your shares are, the higher the, the price will normally be. And so that, that also does follow. I think that's also partly true. Um, I've got to say, I, uh, there, is a, there is an icky factor about owning something you feel is unethical. But I honestly, I think while those two views are intellectually possible, I don't honestly think there is a genuine impact on those companies, depending on who owns them and how much the shares are worth or not worth. Altria has done spectacularly well, despite having a low PE for most of its history. Um, you know, Crown is not suffering from lack of uh, people viewing poke machines a certain way. Um, any impact on those companies is going to impact at a company level far, far more than who owns the shares. The other thing I will say, just to very quickly finish, is... There's, there's, there's some element of ethical investing which kind of aligns with societal views. And so, frankly, the less popular a company is because of its ethical perspective, the higher the chance that there's a possibility the government will regulate against it. Mm. So, yes, mm. you can say, I, I like or don't like poker machines, for example, to use that example. Mm. Um, that's fine. But over time, the more unethical poker machines 
feel or look, mm. frankly, the greater chance the government regulates against them. Yeah. So there is some value as an investor, even if you don't take a personal ethical view, yeah. in thinking about how does the community view what I own? Mm. Is there a chance I'm going to get legislated against? And yeah. the, the more likely it is to be... Payday lending is another good example there. Great example. Yeah. Cash converters, money three. Yep. Um, exactly. The more likely it is to be seen that way, mm. the greater the chance the government regulates against it. And so ethical investing can be to some degree a a filter of defence against the possibility of suffering some sort of unfavourable regulatory, regulatory outcome. Look, I'll, 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 I'll conclude with this thought. I think it is something that is very personal in nature. Mm-hmm. I, I think if you're a, an investor, you've got a lot of optionality in terms of where you invest your money. You probably want to support the things that aligned with your interests and yep. beliefs. There's, there's nothing wrong with, with that whatsoever. Correct. Where it gets tricky is when you start applying definitions that uh, just aren't going to be applicable to everyone, and when you start um, ignoring more fundamental investing considerations right. at the expense of an ethical one. So yep. you, you've got to balance all of that. But at the end of the day, do what's right for you. I, I think that, that, that's a great that's a great way to put it, mate. I think that that very specifically is right. Just remember that there is no special superpower imputed to ethical companies in terms of your returns. Yes. So if you buy them and specifically expect it, therefore I will do better, mm. just be careful because I think that can lead you down the garden path. If you're happy to make lower returns because you want to be ethical, that's great. That's great. fine. Sure. Just just be mindful that you know just because they feel good in mm. your mind, in your heart, mm. doesn't make them necessarily good financial performers. Yeah, nicely done. Real money advice from real people. Not just a couple of dicks with a Porsche. Get more at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Mate, we got a uh, tweet, I yes, believe, we did. Uh, throughout the week yes. uh, from Timbo Slice. Timbo C. Slice. Timbo C. Slice That's on right. Twitter. Thanks for the question. I'm looking to get into ETFs. ETFs are very hot right now. Aren't they? Uh, they so are, hot right they now. They are the new black. And, uh, <laughs> um, and for good reason, frankly. Yep. Uh, exchange Traded Funds is what the acronym stands for. Right. Um, and uh, so just to start again, Tim said, I'm looking to get into ETFs via the Vanguard Index Fund VAS. That's the ASX ticker. Uh, that is a ETF that tracks the ASX top 300, uh, as recommended on the podcast. I just wanted to know if you could clarify a few things. And I'm going to take these one by one rather than, Good than doing it all at once. Firstly... Explain to me a little bit what an ETF is again. Uh, so it's basically a managed fund. Right. So someone out there takes money and they invest it on your behalf. Okay. Now, uh, the difference with a, a regular managed fund and an exchange-traded fund, as the name suggests, is that an exchange-traded fund is on the ASX. You can right. buy and sell it like you could an ordinary share. So ordinarily, I've got to send a check or an ET, uh, electronic funds transfer, an EFT, mm. to somebody and say, please, let me It's an OTC, mate. <laughs> so I couldn't. Have, very much it's an over-the-counter. You gotta love the acronym saying it's an over-the-counter instrument. So it's not the the, the if you want to re if you want to cash in your investment, you've got to go to the fund manager and they'll do it for you. Whereas right, with an right. ETF, you can just buy and sell with someone else. Jump on, on Comsec on or Bell Direct or Nab Trade and do your make your transaction. Now that's that that's the broadest definition. Um, as a as a trend um, uh, and as a majority, most of the ETFs tend to be index tracking. Which means you'll choose one of the S and P generally indices, uh, one of the major ones, and you'll just basically replicate a portfolio that tracks that. So if Commonwealth right. Bank is whatever it is, four or five percent of of the ASX uh, two hundred, yep. you'll buy four or five percent of that, and you just copy it right. blindly. And it's called passive investing, and it's called passive because you don't need some financial guru there making buy sell decisions. It's basically yep. a computer that says, "Hey, this is what the index is doing. We're going to copy that." Exactly. Makes sense. And because that's easier, it's also cheaper. So yep. the fees are cheaper. 
and philosophically, a lot of people will argue, and I think with with um, not uh, with a fair degree of, of reason, yes. that you will probably do better than the experts anyway, yes. primarily because of the lower costs. But you're not trying to sort of you know um, you, you don't need to guess what's happening with individual companies. You just need to you just basically need to have a view that overall the economy is going to improve over time, and you'll generally do pretty well. And that's been the case from from history. The market on average grows about ten percent a year. To try and beat that, you've got to pay a broker. You've got some trading commissions, some taxes. Mm. The chances of you actually beating the market, frankly, you might be better off joining them rather than trying to beat them, right? Yeah, and I've, I've said before, look, we're, we're stock prickers. Uh, we, 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 we love it. Um, we do it. We advocate for it. But I, uh, I think for those that just really find this stuff, we're probably not the kind of person who listens to this podcast, but the, <laughs> the, the kind of person who just finds this stuff really dull and yep. not interesting yep. and a little bit scary, uh, then I think ETFs are wonderful. It gives you exposure to some of the better parts of the market mm. without all the hassle, without all the cost, without all the stress. And I just think it's a very, very elegant, simple solution. And frankly, even those who do want to pick their own stocks, to most people, it still makes sense to have an index as the core of your portfolio. I've got, I've got a couple, actually, especially for the US market, things like that, where I just want a bit of exposure, but I don't have the time to do the research myself. Nice. Let's answer Timbo's question. Okay. So first one, can I earn dividends through this product? Can you? Yes, you can. Okay. Now it depends on the <laughs> ETF. He's, yep. he's singled out VAS and yes, you can because it invests in the ASX 300. Most of the, well, many of the companies in the ASX 300 pay those dividends, yep. pay dividends and that gets passed through to you. So as an ETF holder, whatever dividends the companies inside that ETF pay. Yes. Uh, funneled through to you as an investor. Now, generally speak, if I'm, I'll, I'll, um, pretty sure this is the case with VAS is they'll actually uh, save all the dividends that they get and then they'll yep. distribute them yes. on a quarterly yes. Correct. basis. Correct. And I should mention as well that you will get the franking credits associated with that as well. Nice. Take that. So uh, you get all of those benefits. Mm -hmm. Question number two. If so, can I set up a reinvestment of those dividends? Now, um, can you? Yeah, well, I, I think you can. So what Tim's talking about here, a lot of companies that have um, that pay dividends have these things called DRIPS, Dividend Reinvestment Plans. DRP, yes. DRP, and it basically says, look, don't give me cash, just give me an equivalent amount of shares. Mm -hmm. And it's a great way of building your exposure to a company without having to outlay any further cash. Right. This is the, you save in brokerage, you often get a little bit of a discount, it's a nice way to dollar cost average, yeah. all of those kinds of things. So it's a, it's a very sensible thing, particularly for a long-term mind, long minded passive investor. Yes. And the answer is, again, it depends on the particular fund. I'm almost certain that it does do it with VAS. Right. Um, and it's just a matter of ticking the appropriate box when they send you out the paperwork. Yep, easy. Okay, question number three. Do I treat these as I would any other share regarding buying, selling, even though it's an index? Do you? Yeah, I think you, well, <laughs> that's a good question. So um, I think where ETFs, people get a bit reckless with them is when you start speculating on yeah. price levels. So you yeah. think the ASX 200's at this, I think it'll be at this by Christmas, I'm going to take a position in the ETF. It's just pure gambling. Who knows where it's right. going to be? It could be anywhere between then and now. So uh, ETFs can have, if they're used wrongly, all of the disadvantages of normal shares, which is that you can try yeah. and speculate and jump in and out and guess on the price level and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Most ETFs, particularly as index tracking ETFs, are designed to be the exact opposite and they should be used accordingly. Yes. There are some people who use, frankly, the ETFs to day trade. Yeah. They oh, use it as totally. a proxy for the index. I think it's going to go up today. I'll buy the VS in the morning. I'll sell it in the afternoon. It's it's a stupid way to try and invest. It's speculation and it's mad. I mean, they even fortune. have um, a bear ETFs and stuff with with, with replicate <laughs> short position. I mean, there's, there's, oh, there are there now. is a billion flavors of ETFs. Some of them, a lot of them, were great. A lot of them, super super yeah. hyper speculative. So yes, you can use it as a as a normal share, but we would suggest that that's a not what they're for and b not how they're best used. They're best used to set and forget, add regularly, let compound wealth do its thing. Yeah, and and don't overthink the timing thing because you know it is yeah. going to happen. Um, 
at some point you, you buy something, you think, I'm doing all the right things, you're going to buy an ETF, and then the market crashes 30%. Like, it's guaranteed, right? <laughs> if not 50%, it will happen at some point. And so people will often say, yeah, I will. I'm just going to wait for a better time to buy. So they're not overtly trying to speculate on near-term prices, but there is a belief that the market will at some point do a thing and they can be smarter than everyone else at that point and, and react appropriately. That's I would say just, cost averaging, right? just don't overthink it. You know, you've got a bit of money, pop some in now. Um, and as you save up more, pop it in over time. You'll just average that all out. Just keep it simple. Get more Motley Fool money advice at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Mate, we are horribly over time. I want you to jump on your horse for a quick 800-yard sprint. Go. Okay, very quickly, I want to talk a bit about tax. It's come up uh, a lot recently. I had a mate to me the other week uh, whinging and moaning that he had to pay all this tax. And I said, well, who likes to pay tax, oh, right? So I picked into it a little bit. You know, so what, what, what was the case here? Turns out he just had a ripper year on the market. Aye, aye. He had a whole bunch of long-term positions that he eventually sold. He realized huge profits, and the government said, I want some of that. And it was so unfair, and it's, you know, BS this, and rah, rah, rah. And I, I just sort of said to him, mate, in the, it, he's not alone. The amount of times I've had people come up and whinge about that. I've even had right. clients in the past complain that they made really good money one year because they had to pay tax on it. <laughs> Listeners, the only way to avoid tax is to not make any money. So I'm not saying you should love tax. No one loves to pay <laughs> money to the, you know, to anyone. Yep. But it is it is the price of success. If you don't <laughs> want to pay any tax, don't make any money. Or Hang any on. money that you make, give it to charity. You will avoid all of that tax. So <laughs> if that's what you want to do, problem. fantastic, do that. <laughs> but if you've, frankly, I've said it before, mate, if, my, if the ATO comes to me, at the end of the next financial year and says, mate, you owe us a million dollars. You yeah. will not find a happier person on the planet. Because the only way I'm in that scenario is I've, I've just made a, a hell of a lot more than a million dollars um, in income that particular year. And I should, I should be on my hands and knees thanking the <laughs> Lord in heaven that I get to pay a million dollars in tax because it means I made a squillion dollars. That's a pretty good deal, huh? Not bad, hey? Take that. So, yeah, look, the, the other thing I'd just say quickly on the end of this is that tax is a very real consideration. If you've got some money in some shares and you're thinking of buying some other shares and you need to free up a bit of cash by selling, you need to account for that tax hit. Right. Because that is, that is really going to limit your compounding power over time. So don't ignore cash, tax. Consider tax. Do everything you can to minimize tax. I'm not saying that. But don't let it be the primary filter through which you look at things. It is a secondary, if not tertiary, consideration to far, 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 far more important fundamental investing considerations. I'm going to give Warren Buffett the last word, Andrew. Okay. And he said, maybe you'll run into someone with a terrific investment idea who won't go forward with it because of the tax he would owe when it succeeds. Send him my way. Let me unburden him. Let me unburden Buffett's him. Buffett's happy to I make love, a lot of money if it means that. paying all that tax. Isn't it fantastic? All right. Let's put a pin in it, mate. Uh, thank you so much again for your time today. And thank you, listeners. We always enjoy your company. Thank you, fools. Remember, you can subscribe through the iTunes uh, thingy and the Android thingy. As you should. As you should. Don't, 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 don't Google thingy. Don't, Just no? Search, search app. Podcast okay. app. Get on the interweb. Yeah. Open up Bing. Is it Bing that people might, are I might take it from here. If you like what we're doing, please give us a strong, big five-star rating on iTunes. Don't, don't just think about it. Go on, do it. No, right now. We'll wait. Come on. Give us a five-star rating and tell your friends. I'm sure they could do a little foolish straight talk as well. Fools, thank you very much for listening. Thank you, Andrew Page. Thank you, mate. I've been Scott Phillips. I've Full been on. Andrew Page. Full on. 
The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. The Motley Fool operates under financial services license 400691.